You are listening to a Spark of Genius production. Check us out on YouTube, Twitter, and enjoy the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another Spark of Genius interview. And we are joined by none other than the first Canadian national champion for flesh and blood, Miss Yuki Lee Bender. Yuki, say hi to the fans. Hi, everyone. Pleasure to be on the show. And I am joined always as my uh, as my kind of two two pieces of the the Spark of Genius family here with my uh, co-caster, co-commentator, co-compatriot, Rob McAuley. Rob, say hi. Hello. You can be Spark. I can be genius. Okay. Oh, it could be Spark. I could be genius. That's going on. That's going Sparky. on. Shirt. That's going on. A shirt, Hi, everyone. Okay. So, of course, kind of the same format as we did with Dante and some of the other interviews. We have some questions for uh, Yuki, and then any kind of kind of flavor text from Rob as, as it kind of goes down. So, I just want to start with uh, Canadian Nationals as the recording was uh, last weekend. So, we're recording this on uh, I believe it was Wednesday today, whereas Nationals was mm-hmm. the previous. Saturday, Sunday, and by the time of this recording, all the deck lists would have been out, so you can check that out on uh, fabtcg.com. There is an article, I believe, recapping the event by Alan Hale also, and so that information is available for people who are more interested in the event itself. But this one is going to talk a little bit about the event, but more so about Yuki's uh, journey from cradle to grave here, from the very beginning to, to the very end, as they speak. So kind of starting out with a bit of the prep here, Yuki, how how did you how did you prepare for nationals? Was it mostly like drafting practice, classic constructed? Did you kind of focus on one more than the other? How did you kind of approach that? Yeah, so um, initially I mostly focused on the draft portion. Um, I hadn't drafted Flesh and Blood before. I've, I've drafted other games, uh, primarily Magic: The Gathering, so I was familiar with drafting, but I, I really wanted to get a feel for Flesh and Blood and what that was like. Um, I also figured it made sense to do the Tales draft early on, since draft meta games are usually a little bit more stable. Whereas coming out of a big chain ban, it was a really open meta, which was exciting, but it. You know, it wouldn't surprise me. I felt like it wouldn't surprise me if a new deck came out, and sure enough, that's exactly what happened. So I figured that by waiting a little bit to see some of the early Nationals events and give the format a little bit of time to breathe, I would have a better idea of what to test CCN, whereas if I did it from the start, I might might be testing for a format that we're not even playing in. Fair enough. No, that's that's fair. I like that you kind of let let other people do a little bit of the, the legwork first and not just because I know when I, I started, I was super high on like Lightning Lexi. And I'm like, this is the deck. Play like two or oh, three yeah. weeks. Uh, partner brought it into a tournament, got absolutely wrecked, decided that was not the play. <laughs> and there's like two weeks left till national. So we're kind of scrambling a little bit. So I like that your approach was definitely to like focus on the more uh, controllable part because like draft's not going to change that, that like those strategies will still be good. Uh, and kind of rolling into the combined format of nationals, did you ever put kind of more weight on one format to like carry you through or you figure the play was kind of get better in both formats try to kind of go like you know two one two one two one or were you kind of focused more on yeah draft is definitely going to carry me i should definitely focus on it and put cc to the side a little bit um yeah i definitely felt like the biggest edge to be gained was in draft um being able to leverage some of my experience in draft from other games just felt like a big edge that I had. I know a lot of the, even the seasoned players in Flesh and Blood don't necessarily have a lot of experience drafting. So I felt like that was 
um, a bit of a leg up I could have. And, and I'd say that kind of most of my, my testing team was kind of on the same boat there that we figured the draft portion would be really important. And it's, you know, it's half of the rounds that you play leading up to CC. Um, I think the other contributing factor was at the time early on um, in the CC meta kind of post road to nationals, um, I had been on Prism all road to national season and Prism was looking to be just one of the best decks at the time. Um, so I felt pretty comfortable with that. And I said, well, if Prism's good, why not just play it? I have lots of experience on it and I can right. focus on draft and, and you know, adjust if I need to adjust. Yeah. But, um, so yeah, definitely a bit of a balanced approach, but I also recognized draft or saw draft as like a big place to get an edge. Mm-hmm. I also will add that it was hard to find packs to draft with just because it was all first ed. <laughs> so Unlimited only came out the day before Nationals. So I know from my own experience, uh, buddies and I were trying to look for packs to draft with, and it was very difficult to find. <laughs> yeah, luckily um, I had ordered a couple boxes from Infinity that I hung on that I hung on to to draft, and, and so did a few of my friends. Um, also, one of our local stores, uh, Magic Stronghold, had box is still available as well um but as you mentioned the price tag was was a little bit hefty but yeah but you know it, you know, it paid off for you so that's all that matters <laughs> don't worry about the cost yeah. <laughs> make it back later by winning <laughs> so don't worry about that um so kind of uh, kind of focusing on draft as, as you said can you tell us a little bit about like your draft prep um you know as, as you already mentioned it was a bit of a main struggle for a lot of the more seasoned players who really focus this was the first major tournament whereas you know the calling was either draft or cc uh, limited or uh cc it wasn't it wasn't both and this was very uh, the first kind of set of tournaments that was so uh based on that it was i saw definitely a bit of struggle for the more more seasoned players so tell us maybe a bit about your prep for draft yeah so some of the questions i had about flesh and blood draft in general was sort of like when do i need to lock in a class and decide because what's a, what's really different about flesh and blood draft is that you can of course only play cards in your class or, or the generics or the talent cards so you have to commit a little bit earlier it, it's not like um you know, like in magic the gathering you can pick one color and figure out your second color actually quite late yeah. and i was kind of discovered pretty quickly that that wasn't the case in flesh and blood so that's sort of one thing that i was trying to get a feel for and i think that usually you want to kind of figure it out around picks five six seven kind of just before the wheel and and definitely have it locked in by the wheel um yeah in terms of prep i tried to draft every hero just a little bit um i wanted to get a good feel for which commons were uh, commons and rares, but especially commons, uh, were important um, in which decks. Especially identifying those cards that were flexible enough to be good in, you know, both Oldham and Briar, or both Lexi and Briar, or you know, two of the heroes. That, and those were kind of the cards that I wanted to prioritize above everything else because I knew that they would be really solid regardless of whatever deck I wound up in. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That that added flexibility definitely. You know, like some of those blue earth cards or some of those. Uh kind of like peak high value, like the weave the weave cards I really like, those kind of things I'm sure you definitely put priority on mm-hmm. picking your kind of key hero, were, hero um, choice. Were, were there any class cards that you would have taken, like pick one or pick two? <laughs> For example, maybe like a Bramble Spark or something? A Bolton um, Shot, maybe? No, not really. Um, 
Maybe if the pack was particularly weak, I might mm-hmm. take a premium mm-hmm. card like Bolton Shot or like Bramble Spark. But um, I really felt like the element cards were the harder ones to get. And I felt like a lot of the decks actually could be very strong just off the back of having good element cards. But the inverse wasn't true. Um, having the good class cards, like Bramble Spark's great, but if you don't have the Earth cards to fuse it, it's it's pretty weak. I found that by getting those early, you kind of give yourself more flexibility to identify the open lane and then get those powerful cards um, later. And, and you know, come pack three, I found that often those cards are actually going a little bit later because I think people are scrambling a little bit to fill out their elements. And and at that point, you, you know exactly what class you want and you probably have a pretty good idea of what kind of strategy you're drafting as well and which, which pieces you're going to want the most. Fair enough. Elements first, ask questions later. I like that approach. It's definitely <laughs> something that uh, I, I completely agree with you. Uh, on kind of flipping a little bit on the CC side, I know you mentioned that uh, Prism. I mean, I I know your Prism very well at this point, having faced it a fair number of times. So I'm, I'm quite aware on, on your love of Prism here. But did you test decks kind of other than Lexi, uh, also like mainly against the most meta picks? Like you play a lot into Briar, maybe... To, to I guess Bravo would be a, another pick here, and a couple uh, Chain Viscera. All the Rune Blades are always meta at some point, right? So, um, did you kind of do something other Lexi, and then what kind of picks did you f- uh, face against the most in your testing? Yeah, so I primarily wanted to make sure that the Briar matchup was a good one for whatever deck I chose. So I pretty much started with Briar um, for any deck that I was testing, and if the matchup didn't feel at least, you know, like close to 50-50, I pretty much discarded the deck. It was just very apparent how popular the deck is and also how powerful it was. And you're, you're going to see it on top tables. So mm-hmm. I really didn't want to be in a spot where I don't have a good plan into Briar. Um, I did try Dash a little bit, thinking that the induction chambers kind of let you stop Briar from getting value out of the um, embodiments of Earth. But I wound up just feeling not that confident in Dash. The matchup was okay, but I think probably still Briar favored. And um, Bravo was never really a consideration for me. I don't really have the cards for it. And I also, I expected a little bit more Bravo at the event than we actually saw. And I just wasn't too confident in my ability to learn the Bravo mirror in time. I only had a couple weeks and... I was actually quite busy with like work and report cards. And, and I know that the Bravo mirror is exactly the kind of matchup where it's a lot of small edges and I, I wasn't confident I had enough time to really properly prepare that deck. Yeah, I'll echo that. I think there are only a handful of Bravos at the entire event. And looking at uh, the article that went up on the FabTCG website, I think over 50% of the players were Briar, like 54% or something like that. <laughs> I don't know yeah. if you, one of you can correct me, but I think I saw that. I was like, no, wow, that's, that's, that was uh, more than the U.S. Nationals, more than any other event, I believe. Yeah, it's uh, definitely, I think, a function of the Canadian Nationals being kind of after Just a lot of the big later. ones. Everyone's kind of, yeah. if they broke, why fix it? Uh, that that kind of makes sense. So kind of last question I have in the more preparation phase. How did you kind of approach building your nationals your isolexi deck your nationals winning deck was it just kind of was it expanded from a blitz deck as a lot of people like to do like the core kind of cards or did you start from scratch or maybe it's like some a little bit of both or how did you kind of approach that um yeah it actually did come from blitz i had been playing um lexi and blitz in our locals just for fun um a nice lexi build i thought it seemed like a lot of fun and 
I thought it would be pretty well positioned in Blitz, actually. Um, interestingly enough, I thought it'd be good into Ira, perhaps, because you could tack, tax the flick flax, but um, it turns out that Ira is, is quite hard for, for Ice Lexi. Um, <laughs> she has just so many resources and so many tools to pressure, but um, I had a lot of fun playing Ice Lexi in Blitz, and I definitely felt like I learned a lot of the play patterns, and my list evolved quite rapidly playing that Blitz testing. Um, I started out with a lot of generically powerful cards like Enlightened Strike and Command and Conquer, and I pretty quickly realized that um, while those cards give your deck a higher ceiling, they don't um, contribute to being consistent. And when you, in particular, if you draw them off three of a kind, it's just the last thing that you want to see. It doesn't pitch, it doesn't fuse, it doesn't, you can't play it, it's just really, really awkward. Um, so yeah, I had a very good feel for kind of which types of cards I wanted, a lot of the key ratios, like how many blues I wanted, how many ice cards I wanted, how many arrows I wanted in my deck. I think it's all very, very tight in Lexi, and you really need to have the right numbers to be consistent. Mm -hmm. um, so I felt really well positioned to put together a deck, and it was definitely in many ways an expansion of my Blitz deck, but also some tweaks to specifically target Briar, like... Um, like Sleep Dart, for example, is not a card that I was playing in Blitz, but seemed pretty obviously powerful into um, actually a lot of the field, not even just Briar, but, but especially Briar. All right, fair enough. I mean, I think it's definitely a more... I think your take on it was definitely a lot more aggressive, maybe, than people were expecting out of a uh, typical, oh, ice equals control. So I definitely yeah. like those kind of more aggressive picks uh, out of that deck particularly and then jumping jumping like right into the meta and the strategy in general kind of what was your reading on the meta overall i know you mentioned that you know if it doesn't have at least 50 50 into briar or something close to that there's really no point ta uh, taking it and you were definitely correct on that read uh as with most players wanting to go briar anyways uh did you kind of look at prior national calling events was it like kind of a local meta perspective and how did that kind of impact your your final deck choice and the cards you selected yeah so i mostly based it off the previous callings i or sorry the the callings and the nationals but especially the nationals i figured yeah. people would be looking to those events as they were kind of the biggest biggest events around and um yeah, I expected kind of similar breakdown. So a lot of Briar, especially in the top tables, and um, perhaps some Bravo as well. Um, but but as we mentioned earlier, just not Bravo was a little bit underrepresented. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and, and more or less, I, I did end up being right, especially later into the event. Um, but in the early rounds, you know, I, I did face a a Kano in there and, and there was an old time that's snuck into top eight that I also had to fight in Swiss and, and yeah. that is a really tough matchup. So mm -hmm. so yeah, definitely had to be prepared for a wider field and didn't get a chance to test against some of the other, you know, the dashes and Dorinthias of the world. I, I had a couple games under my belt and had a few from Blitz and felt like I probably have more experience than they would in the matchup at least, but I definitely didn't have time to test it extensively so yeah and i think that makes sense because i think we didn't see many of those at all right uh maybe not even a single Dorinthia that i can think of at least <laughs> so I, I, I couldn't remember a single one but you know yeah they're they're probably more afraid of you than you are of them so what does it matter right um yeah and and i was pretty sure that it's a positive matchup anyways just yeah. Dorinthia really wants to keep her hand like maybe block with one card and mm -hmm. ice lexi is 
all about not letting you do that. So yeah, it was overall, I wasn't too worried. And I felt like, you know, like Dash ended up being a somewhat similar matchup to Bravo where they might try and fatigue you and you need Mm -hmm. to have a plan for that. So I kind of approached it as, you know, an anti-aggro build and then a more um, anti-control build and and just pivoting between those. I know that makes sense. Um, How did you kind of come to the realization that uh, Lexi was going to be your hero of choice and kind of why why more so the ice Lexi and not like the lightning build with uh, you know bus bolts and um, and mm-hmm. the the more hype hyper so to speak hyper aggro kind of uh, go again lightning Lexi builds. Yeah, I had actually started out testing lightning Lexi much like you, thinking that it was was great. And what I realized about the deck is I felt like. I felt like Lightning Lexi could beat just about anybody and also lose to just about anybody and mm. felt a little out of my control. Like when you when you draw hot, it's it's amazing. You just steamroll people yeah. and and then sometimes you don't and you you really can't block very well. Um, and your only real plan is to attack. So you don't you don't get that much agency over the game. And right. I, I didn't really like that about that deck. Um, but Lightning Lexi, or sorry, but Ice Lexi, I pretty much settled on, or I was fairly confident I would play almost as soon as I saw the Briar deck in UK Nats, as soon as I saw it play and I saw some of the deck lists, I was like, well, I already know that this Ice Lexi build has really good matchup into Briar based on the Blitz games that I've played. And just so many of the cards are obviously powerful. I mean, the, the deck is playing almost all reds and you're giving them frost bites. Um, frost lock is an incredible tool against them, turns off almost their entire deck. Um, so, you know, having a on hit take an extra turn is is pretty darn good on hit. <laughs> yeah. Um, yep. So yeah, I pretty much knew right away. And the, the big question for me was, was Ice Lexi going to be the way to go or was it going to be just joining the Briars? But the more that I tested the Briar matchup, the more that I felt very, very confident. I think um, I think between testing and the actual games in the event, I'm probably something like 25 and 1 against Briar. Um, yes. Almost, almost un, un, impossible to lose. I, I shouldn't say impossible to lose. Like a lot of the games are close. I'm sure you can feel try. like you're in control of the game. Yeah. Even though you're trading HP, it's or, or life points. It's all it's all kind of on your terms, and you have a lot of agency, which is nice. Yeah. With that kind of win rate, I understand completely. <laughs> like ninety six percent or something. Yeah. Yeah, it makes um, sense. So, yeah. What about the um, the mirror? Have you prepared a bit for the mirror as yeah. well? Um, not so much. I wasn't expecting too many other Ice Lexies and was just having trouble finding the time to get somebody to pilot it against me. Um, I did actually end up fight facing a Ice Lexi in day one and uh, ended up dropping that match. I made some I made some pretty poor plays. It was the last match of the day, and I think I was a little bit... A little tired, um, yeah. yeah. A little tired, a little overly relaxed. I, I really didn't sleep well the first night. Um, I Tell me about it. Time change. Yeah. Was, you guys was traveled from DC, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 So by the time I got to the last round, I was just fried. I think I... Um, I got to a point where I had, I could have played a Lake Frigid and I chose not to. And then of course I didn't draw the ice card for it the next turn. And then my opponent got a Lake Frigid and I had to block with my new horizon. 
And then I forgot that I didn't have New Horizons, so I put a lightning press in my arsenal, which is terrible. Oh, that hurts my soul a little bit. And I ended up having to like ask, have a judge call and say, can I lightning press their attack after (laughs) I've taken damage? And I had to pitch a card to do it. Like, it just was not good. Oh, yeah, no, really I, I wish I could yeah. see that judge call. That would have been the most confused-looking judge. Yeah. Yeah, I explained to them, like, yeah, I made a very silly play. <laughs> nope, that's fair. Um, I guess the last last question I have before we kind of dive into the event a little bit more is, uh, I, I know kind of teching for decks is definitely... I mean, there was Chain and Monarch, which seemed like it could kind of beat everything and has fifty, at least 50-50 into anything, but uh, teching for decks was definitely a, a bit more prevalent here. So were there any, you mentioned, I know you teched specifically for Braver, uh, sorry, Braver, Briar, Bra- a little bit of Bravo. You didn't even see a lot of Bravo. Did you find there were like really hard matchups when you were testing and were there matchups where you're just like, all right, if I see this here, I'm just taking the L, I'm just going to move on. Probably not a lot of them. Uh, was there anything that kind of came up uh, when you were testing? Yeah, um, I wound up feeling like the deck was actually quite well positioned against pretty much any of the aggro decks. Um, Chain Chain is a lot closer than Briar. He tends to have more resources, but it, it still felt totally reasonable, um, either either 50-50 or possibly slightly Lexi favored. Mm-hmm. Um, Viscerai also felt like a pretty positive matchup. And um, I felt very confident about my plan into Bravo. Like I think I think Bravo can definitely give you a run for your money and take games off you. But I felt like the just the plan of setting up six card hands and going wide or just going very very tall was very effective into Bravo. Mm-hmm. And pretty much all the control strategies, um, trying to fatigue an Ice Lexi when they you know have. I, I was playing six Weavices or had access to six Weavices in the board, and I could just go really tall and when you just keep going 12 dominate it's um it's hard to do a lot about it you kind of run out of d reacts and your your defense reactions get really really bad too when you give them frostbites yeah um, it turns it from a great card into a pretty actively terrible card so yeah yeah i mean unmovable yeah. going from three to four be pretty bad <laughs> yeah or like sinks going up to one it's one. suddenly just what's the point anymore worse yeah exactly you might as well block with two cards for six at that unless you have dominant but yeah it's like yeah so so i think that it's really not a deck that you can fatigue um the big exception being if you're old time if you're old time you just smash ice lexi um i had played one or two games um leading up to the event against old time and i went I don't know how to deal with this matchup. I don't know if it's even solvable. Like it just, it felt so bad. And I said, you know, I don't think there's going to be that much old time. So maybe I just hope that I just don't play against it. And, and that was kind of the route that I took. Funny enough, I did, um, I did end up playing it in Swiss and um, I almost played it in top eight as well. So could have been a little bit of a dangerous play there, but um, it, it wound up working out in the end. No, fair enough. Uh rolling right into the main event here as, as you kind of kind of alluding to some of the possible and the actual matches here so tell us kind of about your your swiss in day one your cc your draft pod how do you feel that you performed i guess in, in in more respect to piloting your cc deck and then your kind of maybe draft picks maybe a couple couple key ones that you felt like you, you were really kind of quite strong and quite uh confident in and then maybe some uh if you had a memorable match in one of your day ones the lightning press 
was fantastic. Uh, Don't get me that wrong. Would be, but maybe, yeah. maybe if you have one for like, oh yeah, I actually ice vein and took this person's hand and just like just turned around the match just like that. Some like something like that. So if you have anything in mind. Yeah, for sure. So um, my day one matches, I faced a Bravo um, that was pretty much exactly what I tested. I felt quite good about the matchup. Um, I did face a Kano in round two, who I wasn't particularly prepared for. I think if you have some arcane barrier, it can be pretty good. And I think if you draw the right cards, it can still be reasonable. But I was just drawing Bolton shots and Kano didn't really care that I was attacking him for 15. He just was happy to take it and and burn back down, for more so. <laughs> yeah exactly it wasn't really a winning matchup um after that i faced a briar and that pretty much went exactly as planned it, it did give me a little bit of a hiccup because um, they had a very very aggressive start and i think they got in for seven damage on turn one and made two embodiments which is never where you want to be but um i did manage to eventually get the tempo back and, and get them on the back foot and, and round that out um, going into the draft pod, I, my strategy was just to draft whatever was open for my seed. I think that that's the most important thing in, in this format is because usually there'll be three of a hero, three of another hero, and two of the last one. And I've found that if you can position yourself to be in whatever class there's two of, um, you usually had a really good deck. Uh, that being said, I did have a slight um, favoring of either Briar or Oldham. I do think the Lexi beating Oldham can be a little bit of a um, tough matchup, but it's it's doable. Um, but funny enough, I actually wound up drafting Lexi. Um, I started out with some very strong lightning cards, uh, Entwine Lightning, Red Entwine Lightning, Red Lightning Surge. Um, I think I had a red electrify in there, so I was pretty committed to lightning. And I was thinking I would draft Briar, but it just completely dried up. There was, you know, like multiple Briar commons missing as early as picks like five or six, and it was pretty clear that I that I should be in Lexi. Um, it turned out there was only two Lexi drafters in the whole pod, and one of them switched quite late into the deck. So I definitely got the the lion's share of the cards, and I felt. I felt pretty great about my deck going in. Um, I did pick up enough of the kind of weave ices or, or weave lightnings or the, the pumps to be able to go over top of Bravo. Um, and that's kind of exactly how it played out. I, I My first two rounds were against Briars. Um, I pretty much just raced them. My deck was very, very aggressive. I think I killed both Briars by turn three. Um, <laughs> You know, a bit of a lightning round. I wasn't blocking much. They weren't blocking talk much. About, talk just, about speed yeah. right there. All right, fair enough. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. totally. And then um, then I faced a pretty solid Oldham in the last round. Uh, his deck was quite good. I did manage to pull really far ahead by having a big go-wide turn off an Electrify. I think oh, yeah. I attacked for four or five, like four times in the turn. Oh, and... Um, his hand was not set up for it. He had a, a a turn timber in hand, so he used that on the first attack. Then he blocked, um, I think he blocked a ball lightning with another attack, and then he was stuck with this Summerwood Shelter in hand that oh, no. is like a red Summerwood Shelter, which is great, oh. but it doesn't work against go wide, right? No. Um, and then he, I think thinking it was all go wide, he decided to deep blue it away and swing his hammer at me. And then I started going tall with dominating. I was like, oh my goodness. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so the, the first draft pod went really well for me. I went out at 3-0 and I was feeling great after it. Well, fair enough. Um, 
yeah, from there, my, my other CC rounds weren't, um, they were quite tough. I lost against Oldham in round seven, um, not a particularly close game. I played uh, Jay, one of my primary testing partners in round eight, who was on Briar, and that was definitely my hardest Briar matchup of the day. Um, just because he had experience in the matchup, he knew what my deck was doing. And I think that there's definitely some sideboarding that Briar can do that's maybe not intuitive, but quite important in the matchup. Yep. And um, he was quite aware of that, which which made it a tough matchup. But I did, um, I ended up going over the top of him by um, presenting a Frostlock for seven and forcing him to throw his equipment and a card to block it because you can't get hit by that card. And then I had the lightning press to go over the top. And oh, the lightning press. I'm sure, I'm sure he loves that card with a burning passion. Oh, the <laughs> lightning press. Well, that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It really was just so powerful. Um, yeah. Lightning press is an amazing card, uh, especially with new horizon. I, I, one of my favorite things is just to stick it in arsenal and have it face up and your opponent's sort of like, well, do I overblock yeah. and just have you not use it? Or do I, block properly and then you just lightning press so yeah just as effective as like fusing with it too it's like i'll fuse with this lightning press what are you gonna do <laughs> yeah totally over block and then okay i'll just start to this for later <laughs> yeah yeah you can really kind of you have a lot of flexibility i'd say that kind of characterizes the deck in general mm-hmm. and then my last my last round was against um Icelock Senior. I kind of talked about that game. Already. Yeah, no, the the lightning press, but the the tired lightning press of the arsenal, unfortunately, yeah. the unplanned. Yes, no, yes. That's fair. and uh, but in a way, I think it was kind of good that that happened. Um, I realized that that was like a bit of a leak in my game that I needed to address. And going into day two, I felt really focused and in top eight, I was like, I'm just gonna go step by step, really make sure that I'm playing as clean as I can. And I don't want to be, if I lose, I want it to be because I lost, not because I did something stupid. That's <laughs> after fair. a good night's rest as well, right? <laughs> yeah, I slept much better the second night, probably because yeah. I was so tired from the first day. Oh, and man. Yeah, I felt much better, actually. I was playing side events and I was tired, so. <laughs> could only imagine, yeah. huh? No, I can only imagine, yeah. Well, let's, let's like roll right into day two. I mean, you... Uh... You're definitely we were all we're all, all kind of exhausted here so day two starts off uh, as uh, the the draft pod first and then it would be a cut to top eight well uh everyone who scrubbed out was in pro quest and then uh, so we're just just <laughs> looking at uh looking at kind of the top 24 draft pod uh what did you pick how did the games go again anything memorable who did you verse you know kind of kind of the rundown of what you did for the first draft pod yeah, so going into that day, I was six and three, um, which was not where I wanted to be. My goal was to be seven and two after the first day, because then you can two win the second draft. Um, you pretty much need it to be X and three. There, there's a possibility of getting in at X and four, but only if your breakers were very, very good. So um, I felt pretty confident being able to two win a draft, but being able to three zero a draft is always a little bit tough. You kind of need to have one of the yeah. best decks at the table. Um, another thing that was unfortunate is that I realized going in that there was quite a few players from BC in my draft pod, all in the same position. So uh, my testing partner Jay was in my draft pod, and uh, so was Donghee from BC. And it was a little bit of a it, it was unfortunate. I was so I wish that some of them could have been in the other pod, and that way more of us would have had a shot. But um, yeah. you know, yeah. it is what it is, and it, it, yeah, that's how that how it broke. Yeah. Um, 
going into the draft, I actually don't remember my pack one pick one. I believe it was another lightning card. Um, and then in pack two, I was past a honing hood and the pack was actually quite weak. So I did end up picking up the honing hood. I think it's really powerful. Um, and I'm, I guess Rob asked if I would pick um, class cards and that's maybe the one exception, the class equipment, especially the honing hood and the set clips, I think are just so strong yeah. that you should pick them early. Um, so I was pretty happy to do that. And um, yeah, the from that point on, I just kind of drafted a bit of lightning and then I got past a late weave ice. Like a, I think I got past a red weave ice pick five or something absurd nice and that, that's went, value okay. right there <laughs> yeah exactly and i was well i'm definitely playing lexi like at that point i was like i'm either briar or lexi kind of yeah. leaning towards lexi and i see the weavice and it's like okay i know what to do mm -hmm. um, i was basically wheeling everything and it became very apparent going through that draft that um i was the only lexi table uh, uh, the only lexi drafter at the table um, I had more overflexes than I could play. Um, <laughs> I had, you know, like 40 playable cards. I could switch between ice and lightning, depending on if I was playing against old home or prior. That's the dream. Um, yeah, it's it's the best deck I've ever drafted um, by far. And it's just because I was the only Lexi. Um, mm. In fact, my deck was so strong that my pack three pick one I just ended up taking a red Summerwood Shelter because I didn't really want to play <laughs> against the card. And like I, yeah. I already knew I could wheel whatever card I wanted from the pack anyways, so there was really no point in... You're so far ahead, you're just kind of taking stuff away oh, from wow. everyone else. Hey, hey, drafting yeah. pa pick one, pack three, hey, yeah. drafting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, not really something I'd advise. Oh my god. Yeah, my deck was... But... I already looked at my deck, and I'm like, I could play this and be happy with it. So yeah. and there wasn't anything in there that I felt like I really needed, so I felt like denying the old hem the Summerwood Shelter was probably more important, especially because I had to win out. So I knew that I would have to, yeah. would have to beat that card at some point. So no, that's, yeah. Yeah. that's fair. Um, so obviously you three owed, I mean, that, that's, that's very clear. Um, there could only be kind of one three Oh in, in each pod. So you ended up three Oh the pod and, and then you're landing at nine and three. So at nine and three, I believe you were seed six. If I recall, I'm not I'm not 100 sure, but I think you were. Yeah, that sounds right. Because yeah. I because Dante was seed three and I played against him, so that sounds right. right. So uh, you did come out as one of two BC players. Luckily, Oliver was at least in one of the other pods, and he managed to. I think he two one or three Oda. I wasn't really sure, but he was actually I think seed four five. Well, one of those two. So at least we got two BC players in there. So you didn't you didn't knock out all of them with a one bowling yeah. ball and all the pins go down at least. <laughs> so yeah. um, you managed to uh, knock your testing partner out at ninth and, and come into yeah. come into top eight. Uh, and then let's let's kind of just go right into top eight. I mean, obviously. You're coming in off a 3-0 draft. You're, you you got to be feeling pretty confident at this point. I mean, you're looking at the top eight. You had uh, was with five briars, uh, yeah. five briars, a chain, yeah. a Lexi, and an old him, if I recall old correctly. Him. Right. Yeah. So right. Yeah. you being the only ice Lexi, so you didn't have to play the mirror again. So that was kind of nice, mm -hmm. right? So tell yeah. us about kind of making. How do you feel making top eight for? Because that's already a massive accomplishment in my eyes, at least a very major tournament, uh, and then. You know your top eight matches, your round one opponent, 
you know, memorable matches, what kind of sacrifice you made to the gem gods to dodge Demos on, on old him for the second <laughs> yeah, time. I was gonna here. say Demos on old him, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so that was that was the nightmare was that in the semis, if Demos won and I won, I would be playing him on old him and I knew that that was close to unwinnable for me, it felt like. Um I would do my best, but I hadn't really discovered secret tech between yesterday and, and this day, especially playing the same list. So I was quite worried about that, but I decided to just focus on my current opponent, which was Dante and of course, very established player. Um, I was mostly just really excited to be in the top eight and I wanted to see how well I could do. And I felt like I was overall really well positioned. And if things went the right way, I could definitely see a path to me winning the event is what I felt like. So I was um, really, really focused. Um, and I tried to play very slow, um, not not slow, but very intentionally and just mm. announce all of my triggers, make sure I'm very like, okay, you take damage and then this triggers and then this triggers. And then at the start of my turn, I'm accounting for my tunic. I'm not forgetting things. And, and I played, um, overall, I think I played really well. I did miss a couple remorseless triggers. I think one in two different games. Um, it's a hard one to remember, but um other than that, I think I played pretty solid. I drew very, very well against Dante, three of a kinds, and, and just able to kind of play that aggressive plan where I'm pressuring him and racing him, but also disrupting and keeping him from getting too many embodiments of Earth where he can just start blocking arrows with one card. Um, so I was able to prevent that and um, kind of catch him off guard a little bit with um, Frost bites locking up his tunic and making it really really awkward for him to use and and um yeah managed to get the win there um after playing dante i was actually watching demos and isaac play um quite invested in their game actually never been more invested in another person's game before got a little, got a little flag a little face pain a little demos flag i'm oh, sorry uh, not a demos flag yeah, anti-demos flag. <laughs> flag in the back yeah so they were both, it had eventually gotten to the point, I had been watching before this, but it eventually got to the point where I think they both had only four cards left. Um, Isaac had been at like 28, but been whittled down very, very low. And Demos was also at one. I think they were both at one actually. And and Isaac was had the, he had he'd done a really excellent job of stacking his deck, having the sting ball ball combo. Um, but Demos was just disrupting him left and right, you know, well, now's the turn. And then Oak and Old put those cards on the bottom and then he has to set it back up. And so, yeah, it was, it was really intense and it came right down to the wire. Um, and I was really happy when Isaac managed to just scrape by for a win. I, I thought he was done for, for a moment there, but, um, yeah, it's just how it happened. Right. No, that that's fair. So Isaac wins that one. Uh, you're you're uh, you're of course paired with him, going into another Briar. Uh, how did you feel about any different than 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 the Dante game, or was it kind of another kind of basic I beat you, I'm Ice Lexi, your Briar? It was mostly pretty straightforward. I felt like it really went my way again. Um, actually, both Dante and um, Isaac, and and actually Sean in the finals also. I think they all took the same line of pitching quite aggressively to um, make a rune chant on turn one and filter their hands. I think they pitched like a red and a yellow or two reds. And um, I just don't think that's something that you can really be affording to do. 
in the matchup because it lets me arsenal it lets me activate voltaire and get an yeah. arrow and then i'm starting with a five card hand yeah um whereas it's way too dangerous to do it if they if they just don't attack or or, or maybe they do attack and force through some damage because i don't block that well yeah um so i just felt like i was starting way ahead um which was nice and then there was a little bit of a potential turning point where i was quite nervous um, I had a three of a kind turn where I had played a red ice quake from hand and I had a blue ice quake in my arsenal. Um, I was fairly low. I think I was at um, 12 and he was at 12, something like that. We were both quite low, but I had tempo and I, I had three of a kind, so I was feeling good, but I, I didn't have any arrows. Um, so I play three of a kind and I'm just drawing my cards one by one. And the first one's a blue ice card, which is not what I want because I already have a blue ice card. Draw another one. It's also a blue ice card. I'm going, oh, oh man, is this going to be like the US? US yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Can't then, happen again. Not again. Yeah. I was just like, is this how it's going to go? Like, I think I spot here if I miss. Um, but luckily, the last one was a yellow chilling ice vein. And I, I was still pretty nervous because. You know, I could I could pump up the yellow ch chilling ice vein to eight between the two ice quakes, and that's not bad, but it's not what you're hoping for off a three of a kind turn. Um, so I was trying to figure out what to do, and the the line I ended up getting that I was really happy with was um, I put chilling ice vein in, but I gave it go again so that Isaac would think that I have more arrows coming. Um, and the way Icelexi works is you usually want to have to block the later attacks because as you fuse, all the effects stack up and the later yeah. attacks are more dangerous than the early attacks. So we ended up blocking with um, one card, perhaps worried about taking the full eight damage right off the bat. Um, but he only blocked with one card. And what I ended up doing was I had, had two resources floating and two blue ice cards in hand and a pulse in hand. So I just wound up pitching my whole hand to um, into Shock Charmers and activating it four times. And oh, man. on a chilling ice thing, that's that's pretty good. I ended up taking his whole hand, giving him two frostbites. He had to pass the turn, and he was down at two, and I had a pulse in my arsenal. So that pretty much locked up the game. But um, Awesome. Wow. Yeah, I was, I was happy to, for my kind of my mind game there, yeah, yeah, not letting him know that I had actually whiffed. Those are the most rewarding times when you play Fab. <laughs> it's the mind games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I feel like there's quite a bit of it with Lexi. Like, mm -hmm. so sometimes you give go again because you're actually not sure if you're going to attack again. But sometimes you can also just threaten to attack again, even though you maybe can't. Yeah, so, totally. Yeah, right. No, fair enough. I, I remember when I when I saw that when I saw that play the side i just thought it was like oh no it's doomed oh it's not doomed it's actually going the other way but no that was definitely <laughs> a very a very nice bluff I, I i too am a big big bluff guy so i could appreciate a good bluff when i see one so that was that was very nice and then seeing sean um in the finals another briar player uh kind of looked like uh i think it was you know some back and forth and then you kind of just took control i mean as you said tra trading a little bit of life for some tempo it really flipping for frostbites kind of looked like more of the same like clockwork and then you you took control they didn't let go and and that was it you were the new canadian champion and i'm, I'm not gonna spoil the gold foil card because i have that on a youtube <laughs> short for later but um 
Of Top course, getting the gold foil, getting the getting the mat, the Art of War mat, getting the trophy, and then a little bit of money, just just a tad, just a little bit of a uh, little bit of money to go with your <laughs> pays for the flight. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just yeah. pays for a flight, pays for a couple others if you want to go on, uh, you know, the, your next big event, that kind of thing. So it kind of all com- comes together, and that's kind of wrapping up here at Postnat. So now, as the the proud owner owner of a shiny new PTI, very well earned. Uh, what do you think you're gonna? kind of use it for like a pro tour worlds what's kind of the next big event you're looking forward to i mean i don't really skirmish is a skirmish but i'm talking about more like an invitational or that kind of thing yeah for sure i mean the skirmish season i think will be fun and especially looking forward to the draft in it but uh in terms of the big events um, i'm curious to get more details from lss about the pro tour and about uh worlds um feels pretty hard to turn down going to Worlds. I think it's just going to be such an incredible event. Um, although I would also like to be on the Pro Tour. So I don't know how that's going to happen. I would have to get a second invite somehow. And I don't know how much time I'm going to have to travel. But um, if I could swing that, that'd be awesome. And if I can't, um, I'd be very happy going to Worlds. I think it'll be an incredible experience. You can't you can't disappoint your newfound fans. You had a bit of a fan club walking around on day right. one, just watching your matches here. So I mean, you got to do it for do it for the gram. You know, you got you got to do it for the people. So, uh, that's 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 okay. Uh, that that makes sense. I do like Worlds. Will be I think they announced they're looking at like no, in November twenty twenty two or something. So hopefully, there's kind of more callings oh. i guess would be the big the big um the big way to get the ptis would be i guess top eighting a calling would be a big one i guess all the callings usually have pro quests there so I, I feel like uh that'll be like the next 2022 milestone so to speak but that's yeah. fair um so any last kind of last kind of thing any, any shouts you want to give to uh you know the community people testing um, partners, uh, testing uh, partners <laughs> whoever is there any shouts you'd like to give um, yeah, a few of them. I just, I think the whole Canadian FAP community is pretty amazing. I had such a good time at that event. It was awesome. People were so friendly. Uh, there's a lot of people that maybe I knew on, that I'd talked to a little bit on Discord and it was nice to put a name and a face together. And some people I didn't know, I never, and they were still super, super friendly. So it was just an awesome event. Really nice to see people. I'm looking forward to the next time we can all come together. Um, I also want to shout out the local BC community, especially, um, you know, Eric for organizing events and Dylan for just kind of bringing Fab to BC in a lot of ways. Um, you know, I don't know that I would have grabbed onto the game and gotten into it the same way if we didn't have the local scene to back it up. Um, and then finally, shout outs to Mateo uh, Smith and Subasa J. Ueda, who were some of my primary testing partners. Um, a bit unfortunate. I did have to take two uh, two wins from Jay there, but um, you know, at least one of us made it into the top eight, and it was a good result in the end. So I mean, at least he yeah. lost to the champ. He lost to the yeah, champion. He lost so, the champion. I, you know, at I, that point, it's I, okay. I, I feel bad. <laughs> yeah, for him. that's what he said. And he said, then, I, "I would have been mad at you." If you didn't win, you won, won. So, so it's acceptable. Is how you put it. Yeah, I could, exactly. I could see that. That, that actually makes a whole lot of sense now. Picture oh, yeah. it. But uh, at least, at least you were able to kind of bring it home, bring bring it back to the West Coast, so to speak. So that's kind of nice. Um, <laughs> the weather's better out here, anyways. Ontario, so, Ontario will take another another time. Uh, okay, okay. <laughs> we'll, we'll take Ontario. the L this time, and we'll. <laughs> <plan> <laughs> you, could, you could take the L for now. That's all that matters. So we'll finally, 
Finally, kind of what what gold foil did you did you end up? Wait, don't don't answer that. You gotta check out Spark of Genius Flesh and Blood YouTube for the unveiling short. I was no, I just I had to say it. Uh, <laughs> Yuki, pleasure pleasure having you on the show. I'm sure we're gonna see you uh, fa- probably fairly soon. You just gotta win a couple more events. That's why I tell everybody: the more you win, the more we want to have you. We give you stuff. Kinda, sorta. It's more like exposure, but don't worry about it. One, one day, maybe, <laughs> maybe exposure graduates. So, pleasure having you on the show. Uh, for everyone watching, this will be on airing on YouTube and Spotify, so you can check out Yuki's um, Yuki's kind of monologue of the Canadian Flesh and Blood Champion. So, congratulations again, Yuki. It's an honor watch, so watching much. you take that trophy, and then from. Myself and Rob, a spark of genius, flesh and blood. See you guys next time. Thanks so much for having me on. It was a pleasure.